up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called Mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama Stay with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the mommy collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. Hey, mamas. Welcome to Mama Stay with Tanika Ray. We are in August, which is always really confusing because we think we have so much time left in our summer to get some beach days in, to really relax, to read that book. And here we are with one month left of what I call summer. I know some kids go to school in July, which I am refusing to wrap my brain around. Some kids start in the middle of August. All of it to me is like full on sacrilegious. It's just wrong. When we were kids, you got all of pretty much most of June, July, and most of August. We didn't go back to school until after Labor Day, but these poor kids are going through so much. Here we are in August. And let me tell you, I decided that I needed to bring back my sis, the incredible, the amazing, the queen of conscious parenting herself, Dr. Shafali. Now, I hope that most of you by now, because I feel like I mention Dr. Shafali's name almost every single episode, or at least the concept of conscious parenting. Why do I do that? Well, because it is the number one reason why I feel like I could have any grasp of motherhood is through the filter of conscious parenting. Before I knew what that concept was, there was just no way. There was no way. I was petrified. I was scared. I actually didn't think I could do it. I was really numb during my pregnancy, in denial during my pregnancy, and just sort of like throwing my hands up to God, like, all right, God, let's see what happens, because I really was at a loss. As most of you know, or all of you know by now, I have a very complicated relationship with my mother. And what I knew was I didn't want that relationship with my child. So I went on a search. I went on a quest to try to read all the little baby books in the Barnes and Noble to figure out what the heck I was going to do. I've said this very publicly. Most of them are crap. Most of them I've thrown away. Most of them I was like, is this a joke? Like, is this a a television show? Is this like, are we winning a sash for the most perfect mom under the sun? Like, what is this? It just didn't feel authentic. And I felt so blessed. I, I literally asked God, God help me. And around seven months, the TV just happened to be on. It just happened to be on the station own Oprah Winfrey's network, to be specific. And the episode was a Super Soul Sunday 
with Dr. Shafali. She was sitting under the beautiful and commanding oak trees on Oprah's property. It was an official queen to queen conversation. And I remember the first thing I heard, she was like, well, first of all, a lot of parents say, my kids don't listen to me. And then Dr. Shafali went on so brilliantly and she said, well, parents, do you listen to your children? Ah, everything opened wide up. What is this? I've never heard anybody talk about parenting this way. But I dove straight in. And then as fate would have it, I went on to host the television show Extra with Mario Lopez. We were doing a self-care, spiritual, mental health episode that I was hosting on the weekend. And we had all these men, mostly white men, to be perfectly honest. And I was like, "Uh, that's not going to happen under my watch just because this is the world we live in. Unconsciously, we all just sort of put white men as the authority. And I was insistent on having at least one woman, and it was going to be Dr. Shafali and a man of color. And it ended up being my friend, Joseph McClendon, who works with Tony Robbins. So I definitely got some diversity in there, but specifically Dr. Shafali, it had to happen. She is a thought leader. She is a spiritual advisor. She's a therapist. She's a life coach. She's so many incredible things. And I honor her in all the chapters of her journey because she writes book after book. She holds events. I love her event called Evolve. She has women and men in a room and she talks to them about how to shift their lives. So today I did part one. She was my episode 21 here on Mama's Day. So if you haven't caught up with that, definitely check out episode 21 where we talked about everything under the sun in conscious parenting. This is my lightning speed round with Dr. Shafali. That is this episode where I put her to task, where she has to think on her feet and give me the real deal holy field of mommying. And you know what? She never, ever fakes an answer. And that's Another reason why I love her so much. She tells it like it is. It's hard. And for those of you who follow me on Instagram, I posted last week an incredible rant. And I say that with my fingers, like (laughs) quotes, an incredible rant by Sis Kita Rose, where she breaks it down about mommying is hard, yo. And for those of you who say, well, why did you have a kid then? How dare you? That is disrespectful. You don't know what you're getting into until you get into it. (laughs) So go on over to my Instagram. That made me giggle because I was about to get hyped talking about it. But check out my Instagram. Check out Keita Rose. I really hope to get her on Mama's Day soon in the future. But today we're going to get into Dr. Shafali's real authentic, unapologetic answers to my questions that I pose to all of my guests at the end of my episodes on Mama's Day. So welcome to the mic once again, the gorgeous, the fabulous, the brilliant, my girl and yours, Dr. Shafali. Dr. Shafali, welcome to Mama's Day with Tanika Ray. How are you, Mama? I am so excited to be having this conversation with you. I'm really doing well. Thank you. 
you know, as much as the world is crazy, we have to all be concerned with our own well-being. And that's all that kind of matters right now is to sort of illuminate light and our joy and our contentment and hope that it spreads. That's how it works, right? Right. I mean, the world is really going through an inordinate amount of suffering, but we can only help If at all, if we are, as you said, filled with light and abundance and love, what good would it be if we are in so much suffering that we can't even shed light, right? So we have to own whatever little happiness or joy we can hold on to and kind of spread that. So I'm so happy that we're having this conversation. This is why I resonate with you so much, because as you know, and I've told you this story, I talk about conscious parenting. So I first conducted this interview with Dr. Shefali way back in December, maybe, December or January. So this is the part of the interview that never aired. This is the lightning speed round that I typically close out our conversations, our mama kikis with. So I thought it was such a great time for this because she says such brilliant things, such jewels, and she does it with such absolute clarity and no Fs, (laughs) which I love. Okay, here we go. Five, four, three, two. If you had to bring three things to your mommy journey that are non-negotiables, the three things you have, some people say wands, some people say sage, what would be your three things that make your mommy journey pop in? So they're right here. So the first one is this philosophy that it is what it is. You know, I'm always, I'm always accepting the isness of where I am. It is what it is. And then my meditation practice. So this is my symbol of my meditation. And then I think just my, you know, my writing. So my pen, my, my pen, my laptop is right here. This is my expression, my creativity, my, my vehicle to process. I'm a writer. That's what I am at heart. This is what saves me. I'm always writing a book. I'm writing my next one right now. I always need something to write and whether it's a book or my journal, my thoughts. So these are my three things that keep me sane. And I'm so grateful you're a writer because what you did with the Radical Awakening is just profound. The fact that you you branched into so many different sort of structures in our lives was so brilliant. And I think it's opening people's minds. Like we have no place else to go than to shift right now. So thank you for being such a beacon of that. It is powerful. We've got to expand or we will be no more. So thank you for that. And when you journal, are your books in those journals? They are, you know, everything I write about is to help people awaken. So I'm always, you know, writing notes and seeds of ideas are always coming. So yes, it's all about consciousness, awakening, healing, growing, and our big ego and the dissolution of that ego. I love that. Okay. What are the five must-have non-negotiables with your kids as far as like rules that you had with your daughter? Oh my goodness. Well, the biggest rule I had was to constantly adapt, right? That was my rule, like enter the moment and adapt. That was my non-negotiable, but I know what you mean. What were your non-negotiables for her? So I think in the beginning, I really minimized screen time because in those days you could, you didn't have a pocket phone and a pocket this and a pocket that. So in those days, I tried to minimize it as much as possible 
My other non-negotiable was just being out in nature, creativity, all the positives. It wasn't so much what she couldn't do, but what she could do, right? So I tried to fill in, fill in community, friends, play, a lot of play. I really believe in the science of play, the language of play, a lot of playtime, a lot of freedom. You know, I believe childhood is the most sacred time of life. And sadly, in today's over-industrialized, over-produced culture, we are creating childhood to be a mini adulthood. And we don't realize that childhood is its own special, unique, never to be had before again, time of life. It'll never come again. And I really sanctified it. I, I know I tried to sanctify it for my child. The awe, the wonder, the innocence, the play, the freedom of expression. I tried to nurture that. Those were my non-negotiables, you know, keep this beautiful phase of life sacred. So I protected her as much as I could from adulthood. I love that. It's so much harder today with screens everywhere, but I love that. And and you realize when you're an adult, how short childhood is, that it should be cherished. So short. Yes. Yes. When I have five seconds to myself, now go back to when your daughter was in your house. When I have five seconds to myself, I like to. Oh my goodness. Just kind of stop in my tracks because five seconds is so short, right? Remember those times you're like, oh my God, I have 30 minutes. What can I do? And then you just don't do nothing because you can't, you've you got so many things to do. So I think in those moments, it was just kind of just let me go and be still and just like eat something and just basic care, like close my eyes or eat something very basic to survive this moment, right? Because you're constantly under siege and privacy is such a rare thing and rest, right? When you're not being interrupted is such a rare thing that I suggest Hold still so no one would see me, not even a bird, nobody's eyes on me. And, you know, I used to love going to CVS. Did you ever love? I used to volunteer. Let me go. I'll go do the shopping. I'll go clean the garbage. I'll anything to get out of the house. And then I used to just when you enter the aisles of CVS or Walgreens or Walmart, you're like, let me live here forever, please. You just don't want to be found. You just want to look at, you know, medicine and magazines and never be found again. So escaping was my thing. You know, how can I escape? I've been the same. I mean, when I have long, I'm, I co-parent with her father, but when I have long runs where he's no, he's working, he's too busy. There's a football game on and it's falls on me, of course. And then he finally takes her. I find myself just in silence, staring yeah. at a wall. Yeah. Just, yes. just yes. to have silence. And then yes. I go, I wasn't productive today. And then I have guilt. But just quiet. I'm so right there with you. It's unreal how beautiful that is. Yeah. I'm going to move on to my greatest mommy hack is, and you have billions, but what's the one that's coming to mind right now? My greatest mommy hack is don't yell and scream. You know why? Not because you shouldn't, but because you will pay back for the next 24 days, you know? Control the yelling and the screaming because the guilt that comes to you later is not worth that five minute explosion. So the biggest hack I've learned is shut up, is just be quiet, walk away. 
And as profoundly spiritual as that sounds, I didn't do it for spiritual reasons. I did it for survival reasons, because then I would have to deal with the guilt and then make it up to her and then deal with the tears, which last for days. So I just learned, you know what, forget what the Buddha said. The Buddha said to be non-reactive for a beautiful reason. I'm just going to do it because it's smart. It's just smart to not open your mouth, keep it shut. You know, do less, talk less and walk away. And then at least you haven't added to the trauma. It's amazing because this is reminding me of when I had you on the set of Extra. And I said to you off camera, I'm like, Dr. Shafali, what do I do when my daughter's being an asshole? And you go, you don't be an asshole and your daughter won't be an asshole. And I will never forget it for the rest of my life. And that's exactly what it is. We have to react the way we want them to reflect us. And sometimes when they're melting down, Silence. And maybe they'll find silence too. And we can have Just calmer. Walk away. I tell parents, as soon as your kid is legit safe or put them in a, you know, container or whatever, walk away because you will save so much trouble later. And we don't realize that, you know, we think we should stick around. We'll convince them. We'll cajole them. We'll yell at them. It's always making it worse. Walking away always makes it better. So once you learn that through punishment, through the hard way, then you just go, oh my God, let me walk away. It's so smart to walk away. You're not losing, you're winning. Go scream in a pillow somewhere in the other room would help a lot better. When I was pregnant, why didn't they tell me? That it would be bankruptcy in the making, that it would be a body that will never reverse back, that it will be no sex, fat, you'll be fatter, you'll be angrier, not that fat is bad, but you'll just be an angry hot mess. And then that it lasts for freaking forever. It's forever. I mean, no one, they may have said it, but they didn't highlight it. No, (laughs) (laughs) they make it so it's so wonderful. That's what I say all the time on Mama's Day is that I read all these baby books tossed them in the trash because I felt like they were so not real. They were such crap. And then seven months pregnant, hallelujah, I see you with Oprah under the oak trees and my whole world changed. And I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do yes. this. So thank you, know, you we, for we, that. We have to first be honest. You know, we're all pretending that it's a bed of roses and then we're all silently suffering in shame with embarrassment because it's not a bed of roses. But if we didn't have the setup that it should be perfection or should be amazing, then we'll all get real with each other and just then we can be warriors together. But if we have this idea that it should be something that it's never going to be, then we're all embarrassed and guilty and shameful, you know, and then then we don't share. We set ourselves up for failure. We got to stop doing that. Okay, my village is because you, you I know you were you were married and then you got divorced, but you can't do it all by yourself. You're you're busy writing books and touring and having these events. My village is my village is my dear female friends who are equally sloppy at parenting, equally trying to escape it, and just real people, you know, who I can get together with and just say oh my goodness, shoot me in the eyes if I ever say I want to have another child, you know, who I can be honest with. 
those are my tribe. And when you have that, and I have it, I'm sure you do too. When you have that close group of female friends, they are who are going to get you through this. There's no man in the world who can understand what it is to be a mother. Mothers are just different. We are a different breed. Fathers are a different breed and only fathers can understand other fathers perhaps. But we need our female friends, our female sisters to kind of count on. And that's what we need to be with each other and stop raising the bar. We need to destroy the bar. And when we crush the bar, then we can all just be human together. Love that. And yes, my daughter has not godparents, so to speak, because we're not of that religion, but we do aunties, multiple aunties that have her back. And we are able to create our chosen family that way, which is almost more profound. What is your favorite guilty pleasure? My favorite guilty pleasure is just, you know, food, wine, going out with friends, travel. It's not, I don't even feel guilty about it. So let me think of something I feel guilty about. (laughs) Are Um, you watching trashy reality shows on the side? Oh, oh, like that, like that. Oh, yeah, I could, I could, I could. Yeah, I already have a list of guilty things to do when I'm, you know, ill. The next time I'm ill, all my trashy shows. (laughs) But yeah, I'm not above anything. I, I, I tend to be... You know, someone who just has, I'm done with guilt. You know, I'm just done with it. There's nothing I really feel guilty about, except if I was unconscious with my child. That would be the only thing I would even feel guilt about. Everything else, I'm just, you know, learning to have compassion, allow, accept. I'm going to be 50 this year. I don't have time to be guilty anymore, you know? I love that. And I didn't know we were the same age. (laughs) Yes, 49 right now. Yes. Yes, mama. Yeah, we look damn good. Hello. We definitely do. And I love the fact that you said, you know what? There's no time. There's We don't have time to be guilty about anything. Screw that. Own it. I love you for that. Your fave thing to do with your daughter when she's back from school. Oh, my goodness. If I'm allowed to even be in her presence, I'll be grateful, (laughs) you know. It was like licking crumbs, you know, when she allows you to drive her somewhere or she allows you to enter her room. You'll see when they become older, you are you are very privileged if they even look at you. So, yeah, I, I'll take anything with my daughter, you know, when she comes out for dinner with me or I'll take any any time. So it's not the favorite thing I want to do with my daughter. It's what she allows me. But but she does allow me one thing, even though she's 19. We do sleep together many times in the same bed and she'll allow me to to put her to bed and I get to be mommy again. So yeah, that's I my favorite thing. When, when when she allows me, she has pity on me and says, okay, okay, you can be my mom. I love that. We love that, you know, as much we as it's so that. exhausting, that's what we live for, you know? She's going to one day turn to you and be like, oh my God, you're the most amazing mother in the world. Yes, but I've warned her, I'm not taking care of her children. You know how they are. <laughs> that's when they will suddenly want you and remember you. When they have children and they can't cope, I'm going to go live somewhere far away. I'm, I'm not one of those like, oh, I'm dying to be a grandmother. No, oh, they you're need speaking to be. big game now. You're speaking oh, big talk let's see, now. Let's you're see, gonna... let's see, let's see, let's see. Hopefully you have some time. Yes, I hope, I hope, yes. Okay, this is flipping the script a little bit. What is the greatest thing you've learned from from your daughter? Oh my God, the entire conscious parenting has emerged from her indomitable spirit. If I had a compliant, easy-go-lucky, sweet, little, innocent, kind-hearted kid and not this huge powerhouse of a, you know, brat sometimes, I would never, never do conscious parenting. 
I had to succumb to the indomitable presence of this young person. She was like your child, huge presence, would not say okay to me, would not smile if she did not want to smile. This I'm talking at the age of two or three. So I was blessed with this creature that I couldn't control. And that was the best thing that happened to me. And that's how conscious parenting even emerged because I couldn't control her spirit. And that was the best thing for me. So my ego of wanting to control her had to be destroyed. It was either I destroy her, which I was trying desperately to do, but I was not (laughs) succeeding, or I destroy my ego. And she was so strong that I had no choice but to destroy my own ego. She didn't even give you an option. Yeah. She didn't even give me an arm, but that was the best thing because that's how this whole philosophy came about. God bless her. I got to say, when they say, when they say kids are well-behaved, that means their spirit is dying a little bit. And I've, I've never forgotten that, right? hundred percent. If I get scared when somebody says, my kid was the perfect kid, because there's no such thing. You have the perfectly conditioned kid. But you do, you can, no human being is perfect. So the fact that they're perfect means that they are validating your tyranny or they're validating your oppression. And no parent really should get away with a perfect kid. I mean, every parent of perfect kids should come to parent school and they should be asked, what are you doing to your kid that is making them so com- compliant, right? That kind of scares me too. I go, oh, you're, you're going to see the, re- the repercussions of that later on. And I, 100%. My goal, and I've said this to my, you know, I haven't said this to my daughter, but is to do the hard work now so that she's not in therapy, even though I think therapy is everything and amazing and it saved my life. I'm just trying to get her past 18 before she feels like she needs therapy, right? Just past 18. After that, I feel like I'm, I'm successful. Yes, I agree. You know, my daughter's, when my daughter turned 18, I literally cried because I got her to that threshold. But then the next set of challenges comes, right? So it never ends. But you're right. There are these developmental phases that we just want to get them across. And you're 100% correct. There is not a perfect compliant kid that I have met who did not crack one day or the other. So we don't want to put the burden of perfection on our children. We want them to experience their normalcy, their ordinariness, their averageness. Let your kids be average so that then they can rise up the ladder. But if you place them on top of the ladder and hold a gun to them and tell them they have to stay up there, then they have only downward to go, right? So we want your, our kids to suffer, to fail, to be average and to be okay in their ordinariness, not make them feel like they are perfect. And that's how they get their validity because then they're going to fall. I see it all the time. All the time. My whole family probably needs to come and have a session with you because <laughs> lots of type A, OCD, you know, successful people is a really hard family to grow up in. I'm going to expand this a little bit in the time that we have left to from mothers to mother earth, because I had you and I had Deepak and I've had some other thought leaders, Joseph uh, McClendon, who you guys are my people, right? And I've talked to you, talked to Deepak about our world. At the time it was pre-pandemic. I go, what is going on with our world? It seems like it's on fire. And he said, it's about to get worse. Um, And that this world that we're living in is just a reflection of us. Now, what the hardest thing for me to, to get into my head is collectively, we have to shift to make a better world. 
Now I can work on myself. You can work on yourself, but as a collective, we have to shift. Well, that seems really like a really uphill climb. How do you see humanity and what is the greatest thing that we can do to help shift collectively? Because we need it desperately right now. Yeah, we're not going to shift collectively in any momentous way that is going to save our earth. We have caused indestructible, permanent damage in the last 30 years because of our insatiable, out of control, even more obsessive desire for capitalist supremacy. So we have destroyed it. We are already at the bottom of the hill on the other side. So I say this as a fact and not even with any emotion because it is what it is. So it is a reflection of our deep and increasing disconnection to our soul, to ourself, whatever you want to call it, to nature, to each other. You're seeing it with your, our children's addiction to screens. Who did that? Our generation did that. We have destroyed the earth. End of story. Now we live with that consequence, you know, and sure, one can awaken here, two can awaken there. But the degree to which we are addicted to technology, and therefore the destruction we are experiencing, needs to be offset with that much or even greater, you know, love for the earth. How are we going to do that? This is not increasing, but our technological obsession and desire for capitalist supremacy, that is increasing. That's exponentially increasing, logarithmically increasing. So how can we combat that? The only way to combat that is for our ego on a global level to come into check. That will require global consensus. We cannot even agree in a family whether to wear masks or not. So it's not going to happen. So instead of painting, oh, a hopeful, optimistic picture, which is completely unrealistic, we just need to accept that we are unconscious right now. And this is the effects of unconsciousness. And this has been in place for the past 100 years, but definitely the past 30 years. And this is now the fruits of that destruction. So, you know, there's no escaping reality. People like to cover it up in beauty or, you know, oh, we're going to the moon, but we're not. We're destroying the moon. Now we're going to destroy another planet. They talk about the moon, the metaverse, the moon, just all these places to go. To. I'm like, they're already gang raping women in the metaverse. We, if we can't figure that out here, why are we going to a fantasy land on the... Co it's insanity what we're going through. So, so last question, because I love you. And I need to know, are you disconnecting? Because I believe in disconnection, detachment. Are you in a certain sense detaching yourself from what's happening in order to, as an empathic person, this is a lot. It's a lot to take every single day. Is there an amount of detachment that gets you through the day? Yeah, but detachment is is uh, a very active word. It's not passive avoidance. Detachment means to, as I do it and practice it, means to understand human nature and the nature of greed, lack, unworthiness. And what we're seeing is a reflection of greed, lack, and unworthiness, which then results in an obsessive desire for power. You're seeing it in Ukraine right now. You're seeing it in Somalia. You're seeing it in Africa, everywhere. You're seeing it here in America. So I am detaching from the attachment that it should be other than what it is. 
because human nature is filled with ego. So I'm detaching from the expectation or the hope or the passive desire for it to be other than what it is. I am detaching from the illusion that it is other than what it is. So detachment is a very powerful, active process. It's not passive avoidance. It is wisdom to understand human nature. And when you understand human nature, you detach from expectation. It's just like you detach from owning your children because you cannot own your children. So when you have wisdom, with that comes a very healthy process of detachment, but it is not passive and it's not avoidance. I'm actively engaged in life with the awareness that I need to be detached from any delusional ideas of perfection or outcome that is hopeful. <laughs> I'm seeing it as it is, right? So there's no hiding in detachment, this active process of detachment. So people don't understand typically what detachment means. They just go, hey, I'm just going to check out. Right, right, right. I'm going to smoke something. I'm going to drink something. That's just avoidance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that just landed hard because you're right. It goes right back to your little frame. It is what it is. And once we can get down to the truth and accept it is what it is, but still glow and light up the world and illuminate and be obedient to God's gifts, that's all we have control over, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been lovely talking to you as always. I'm so proud of you for all that you're doing. You're so thank brave you. and and thank you for supporting me as well. So I'm very honored to be here. All ways. I love you dearly. You're so incredible. Just keep writing and keep shining a light on all of the places that we need to shift, all the places we need to re-examine because we've all been conditioned. We can do better. Kind of figure out what your real thoughts are, not what you've been told to believe. You are queen, Dr. Shafali. Thank you so much for being with us here on Mama Stay with Tanika Ray. This show would be nothing without you and your contributions. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you so much, Dr. Shafali. I'm telling you, these are some real serious times. And when we are in real serious times, we have got to talk real shit. And I just honor you because you always come with it. You never mince your words and you aren't scared. So thank you, sis. I really also want to encourage you all to go get that book, A Radical Awakening. It is. (sighs) it's a breakthrough. I was at her event. She's been so kind to me and I'm so grateful, Dr. Shafali. She has given me like comp tickets to her events virtually and in person. And I went to her Evolve event virtually during like smack dab in the middle of the pandy. As she's talking about conscious parenting and conscious living and conscious loving, She speaks like for hours. And then at one point she's like, all right, we're going to take a quick break. And, you know, everyone's still sitting on the screen. And when she took that break, the screen went to black and it said Black Lives Matter. And that just really touched my soul because, you know, I know people want to demonize it, politicize it. All it is 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 just a statement saying we matter. 
And if that statement bothers you, real talk, you need to maybe check deep within yourself because somewhere inside yourself is saying black lives don't matter. And I'm saying this because she didn't have to do it. It wasn't a black event. It wasn't anything that we were talking about. It was just something from her gut and her soul that she wanted to share smack dab in the middle of her Evolve event. And it just warmed my heart. That's what true compassion and true spiritual, loving, conscious people are about. So thanks for being a part of this episode. Thank you guys so much for writing with us. This is episode 41. We will keep it moving. And I'm so excited because I have a bunch of my Spellman sisters sending me a lot of women and a lot of moms that they are recommending for this show. And I'm excited to dive into all those recommendations. I might do a Spellman episode, Spellman Moms episode. I think that would be incredible. And so many others. I've got to get Keita Rose on here. There's so many moms. I Oh, gosh, Sierra, hello. Let's dream high. Viola Davis is definitely on my list. But I want to thank, as always, when it comes down to incredible women, thank you to the Jenny Media team for having my back in every single episode and helping me produce these jewels. Much love to you guys. Stay safe. I feel like every time I do an episode, there's another ailment we got to be careful of. It's not just the pandy now, it's the pox. So please be careful. Wash your hands. Use your antibacterial hand wash and sprays and gels. Love your babies. Be kind to yourself. Most importantly, mamas, you're doing a great job. And I know it's hard for us to have grace for ourselves. We have grace for everybody else when we put ourselves last. This is a cue right now for tomorrow morning. Put it at the top of your list. Cultivate grace for self. Okay, guys, you know what to do. This is a podcast that's on Apple and Google Play and Spotify. Go to Apple. Why not? Subscribe. Click like. And tell me what you think. Leave a review. We would love that. And continue to send me your emails. I love reading them. Mama stay with Tanika Ray at Gmail. And let's stay in touch. All right. Love you much. I'll talk to you soon. Mama stay. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift, and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah, and mama stay. Mama stay.